0: Welcome to Positive Talk Radio. Our goal is simple, to explore evolving ideas one conversation at a time. So, stay with us. as right now, we present and welcome to the show everybody i'm so glad you're here we've got a heck of a show for you today i do believe and and um i don't know why i say that because i have no idea what we're going to talk about but we're going to talk about something fun and exciting trust me you're just going to have to trust me because uh uh, we have jennifer with us and jennifer etzweiler right etzweiler Mm -hmm. yes she's an animal communicator and she's um author and we're going to talk about both of those things. And we're going to be joined as soon as her modem gets fixed. We'll be joining by Ann Lally. And uh, and they're fast friends. And they are both. Ann is in the local area, too, is she not?
1: Yes, she is. And, and oh. I met her through animal communication school.
0: Oh, cool. Cool. So, first of all, let's talk about that a little bit. First of all, you're an animal communicator. Yes, and you also do other things like being an author, and you're just turned in your part of the next book in the um, Allison Roberts series.
1: Yeah, the Behind the Power book series.
0: Yeah. Yes, and uh, you. I just found out something about you that not only did I not know, I wouldn't have guessed it if if you, do you remember the show. Um. um, um not whose line is it anyway but i forget the name of the show but you had three people that that were claiming to be something oh, and okay. then you had to pick which one it was what was the name of that
1: to tell the truth i think
0: oh you're so, right very good to tell the truth
1: and i know yeah. they've rebooted it because i watched an episode recently because somebody i followed on instagram was on it oh really yeah um he's uh he's the cat photographer I think that's the name of his account. And he's written a couple of books um, that like cats on catnip and, um, and how to take pictures of cats and, and he was on and yeah, it was, I, I had to watch it. Cause I'm a big fan of his.
0: Of, of course. Well, and for those of you that have never watched that show that had three people and they all claimed to be the same, doing the same thing. One of them, it was real and the uh, two of them, it was false. And then the panel had to ask questions and then decide who was the real person, right? Yep. Am I got that right? Yep. So if we were on that show, and they said, and the next up we have Jennifer, and we've got, and we got, and this person was on opiates for twenty years, and uh, and I never would have believed that about you.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So it's- so it's so ha so so when did you start when you were 10
1: um well um i i st- chronic pain started probably about that age would be my guess um i remember keeping aspirin in my locker in middle school and it was a really big deal because that was against the rules and like i'm a rule follower and but i had enough headaches that i kept aspirin in my locker um and, and that was you know i think i was 11 when i started middle school and at 17 i was diagnosed with jaw problems at 22 i had carpal tunnel and fibromyalgia
0: at 22
1: yeah and i got the fibromyalgia diagnosis because i wasn't responding to carpal tunnel treatment and then in just before I turned 30, I was in five or three car accidents in 5 months.
0: Oh, lucky you.
1: Yeah, lucky me. And I was I was hit from behind in all three accidents. And the last one totaled my car, and we were very lucky that no pedestrians were killed because if you're familiar with Seattle, we were on 45th Street right by the University of Washington at lunchtime. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it was it was real it was scary
0: um by the and- way i want to i want to i want one she's back now so i want to introduce and and bring her into the conversation uh because we're, we're gonna have a great conversation so um and our is our computer fixed i believe it is so we'll see how we get get along Woo-hoo! okay well that's <laughs> that's that's perfect we were talking a little bit about the uh um chapter that uh, jennifer has written for behind the power three um which is going to become a major uh, a work of of art when it gets to 10 or 12 or 13 or whatever but uh about about her being um addicted to opiates for 20 years i didn't have any idea did you
1: i did not it's not something i run around like with a sign on my forehead it just and it's not something that i really like i like i don't identify as a recovering addict it's just mm-hmm. something that kind of happened in my life if that makes sense
0: well yeah it does um it it happened because of the chronic pain that you were in um thank god you're you're done with it now how long have you been uh, uh, clean
1: i i honestly i would have to get out my notebook and see but i think it's been about four years i think
0: Oh, that's, that's really cool that it doesn't even, it doesn't even impact you in your life that it doesn't even matter anymore.
1: Yeah. Like I've, I've, I've had to look it up several times and I still don't remember when my last pill was. I really don't. Um, and so
0: you were a pill taker.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I, um, I at one point was on both Oxycontin and methadone for pain Holy, Um, and, and yeah. And I mean, like, I'd go to the emergency room for something and I'd have to walk in and say, I'm really not asking for more opioids. Like I Really? I just want the pain to go away. I don't care what you give me for it when I'd have a migraine or something. Um, and, and I, you know, some of my doctors would be like, you know, you're taking enough to knock out a horse, right? I'd be like, well, it's not helping my pain. So I don't know what you want me to do. It was, it was incredibly frustrating to be in a lot of pain and feel constantly judged and feel like um, one of my greatest fears was, was that at any moment the doctors prescribing the medication might say, nope, not going to prescribe it anymore. Suck it up. Just
0: you don't they're saying that a lot more these days.
1: Yep. And that and that did actually happen to me as I was detoxing. And I got to the point where I think I was down to like one pill a day and was having some incredible neck pain. That like I couldn't sleep. I couldn't get comfortable. It was like I couldn't think straight. And the doctor said, we've done we've done everything we can do for you. I don't have anything else and left.
0: That's a comforting feeling. Huh? Yeah.
1: I mean, it was just, it was, it's so incredibly frustrating that in this day and age, like we, we still make people suffer, you know, like we should have come up with something by now that works,
2: but you you
0: think, you, yeah. you, you think so, so, and uh, welcome to the show, by the way, how are you?
2: I'm I'm doing great today. Thanks, Kevin. It's, I'm happy to be here finally. <laughs> we're
0: we're happy, we're happy to have you here. Thank you. And and you, you were to opiates for twenty years. I'm assuming.
2: I I was not.
0: Ah, oh, very very good. But you both met. Tell them, Tell our audience how you met.
2: So the first
1: time I met Anne was I think like my third class in animal communication school. And she was the teacher that day. And we got to talk to, it might've been like our fifth class because I remember we got through her living animal and talked to them and, and it was a small class and we finished early and, and she went, well, I have a crossed over pet we can talk to. And we had to call the, the big teacher and make sure it was okay. And then we all got to talk to her crossed over pet and I think that was one of the only ones that I got to talk to an animal communication school that was crossed over.
0: And so, and this is, this is your pet.
2: Yes. It was a dog of mine that had died.
0: Oh, how long? I'm sorry. I, you know, no, it
2: was, it was, it's a, it's an opera. The, the, the tragedy of this dog is an opera libretto. Uh, I felt I, I, like <laughs> she, um, she is the reason I became an animal communicator because I knew that there was something that could be done to help her that I wasn't wasn't able to do. Um, she was extremely highly strung and very anxious and um, I couldn't leave her alone so for five years uh, she rode around in the car with me everywhere uh, or she went to dog daycare and um I finally had finally a friend of mine was like, "You know this isn't normal, right <laughs> Uh, I don't care. You know, I don't know what I'm supposed to do. Right. So, um, yeah, so, uh, I was about to ready to put her on, um, Prozac or, uh, some sort of dog tranquilizer and, um, she ran away and got hit by a car and it's a much more complicated story than that. Um, but it was on I-5 at uh, four o'clock on a Friday afternoon. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah, she was hit by not one but two cars. But she lived long enough for me to go and say goodbye at um at the Linwood Animal Emergency Hospital. So that was that was a good closure for both of us, I think.
0: Was it was it the did they have to put in put her down?
2: Oh yeah. She 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 was still lucid enough that um she had broke they had bro- she had broken her back. She had a broken back. Um, and so they were like, well, we could, you know, we could try to fix her and, you know, she. I, I mean, like envisioning her on around on wheels and, you know, it was going to be super expensive. And looking back on it, I, I believe she was sick and that she actually took her life. If that, it, it doesn't sound too sort of um, boastful. I don't know quite the word I'm looking for, but I really feel like If she she knew that if I had found out that she was sick with cancer or something like that, that I would go ahead and spend all of my money to make her better. And she didn't want me to do that. So she just decided to end it.
0: Dead. (laughs) But I got to ask you both, because of the work you've done with animals and communication with animals, they view life and death a whole different way than we do, don't they? Absolutely.
1: Yeah. Yeah, for sure.
0: And they feel, um, well, let me ask you, how do they feel about death?
1: Very matter of fact Mm -hmm. has been my experience is it, it's just part of the living experience. And um, I think I probably talked the most about it with uh, my cat, Miss Kitty, who passed a few years ago and, and she she knew long before she was even six. She knew that she'd been here before she was going to be here again. It would, you know, it's like, it's just transitioning to the next phase in soul existence kind of. Um, and Miss Kitty was a very matter of fact kind of person anyway. Um, <laughs> like I've never heard an animal cuss so much. <laughs> <laughs> She cussed a lot, um, but she was very matter of fact about things, and and just you know couldn't figure out why I had anxiety over things, and would I please just calm down? You know, <laughs> it's not a big deal, Jennifer. I'm gonna die, and you know, like yeah.
0: Well, you know, it's interesting because this is going to be a um, a day on positive talk where uh, the show I'm doing after you on KKNW, there is a gentleman who's written the book called Tyson's Gift. And it's about his uh, the death of his eight pound canine that uh, was a was a little um, um, I think it was a dachshund or a dachshund mix, and it changed his life uh, when that when that dog passed away. And he firmly believes that the next dog that he has uh, that mysteriously showed up in his life oh, you're nodding your head, and I haven't even asked a question yet. Uh, <laughs> but he, he firmly believes that that dog is has the same soul as uh tyson did it's, and you're nodding again so uh, is that is that possible
1: oh absolutely yeah miss kitty um when i when I got to the point where I was hearing things better um I'd be doing something really random like scooping the cat box, and I'd hear. Um, so I was this other pet that you had when you were a child and I was this pet that you had. And I was this, and like, and she went through the list of pets. I couldn't even remember the names of that she had been in my life. She'd been a couple of my hamsters. She'd been a rabbit. She'd been a dog. She'd been a cat. She'd been like, (laughs) she'd been so many things. And my, my cat that I have right now, um, Atticus, I've known for several years he was coming, and I know which soul he is. He's a cat that's been with my mom's family since she was a child, and so, yeah, he just keeps well, coming back.
0: Yeah. So what 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 type of animal did did Miss Kitty like being the most? Was it a hamster? Was it a uh, a rabbit or a cat or a dog?
1: I don't think she had a preference. Um, Her she liked the experience of being all different animals and just getting to try out different things. And she liked being what I needed, too. So at different points in my life, you know, like I was interested in pet rabbits. So she showed up as a pet rabbit when when I was a young child, you know, and you get a hamster or whatever for kids, like she was a couple of my hamsters. She was a cat for the longest of anything for eighteen years because I had the space for her, like the emotional space for her to stay that long and to take in the lesson she was trying to help me with.
0: So what happens to pets when they go to the other side? Have you any anybody talked about any of your folks in the past talked about that?
2: I will say, uh, so some of them just hang out and like figure out what's going on behind the scenes and meet up with people that have passed that they've been attached to or other animals that they've been attached to. So they'll meet them in the the other realms and um, have a good time and decide what to do next. I, and I want to say the the other thing I want to say is that animals can also like revisit people through lifetimes. So you can have a lifetime with an animal that was a pony, and it comes back in this lifetime, and it's a dog.
0: That's really that's really interesting. And and they do that because they're attached. Is there some sort of an agreement, or they're attached to the soul? Mm-hmm. Yep, there's a soul contract.
1: Yeah, my experience has been it's a combination of things. And, and part of it is the soul contract. And and some of it is, like, my family has pets that just the same soul just keeps coming back. And, and I think that the fact that they are working on similar issues to what we're working on also mm-hmm. keeps them with us.
0: Interesting. Now, I had... A, um, um Australian Shepherd Labrador mix. His name was Crockett, and he died at eight. And then we turned around and got a uh, um, Border Collie, and he was with me for 14 and a half years, which, by the way, is why I don't have another animal, because I can't stand the pain of losing them. Yeah. They're, they're so they're so important to me. And now I'm a little bit longer in the tooth, and I don't want them to survive me, because yeah. um, I don't really want to be able to take care of them. But... Um, do you think when you when somebody comes to you guys do and they say these two animals seem like they're the same one are you able to confirm that for them in the in the work that you do
2: Mm -hmm.
1: often yeah
0: and it comes through as this is what
2: their life was like the last time and this is what their life is like this time you can see sort of how the behaviors were different or the environment was different
0: but but they they react the same way and and they're I'm just, Jennifer I got to ask you because you you said earlier something that piqued my piqued my interest and that was you said when I learned to hear them better describe that process what's the, what's the, what's that all about
1: Well, interestingly, it started while I was still on opioids, um, <laughs>
0: and nobody believed you because you were on <laughs> opioids. <laughs>
1: Well, you know, I, I'd known about animal communicators for a really long time and was very interested. Um, and I'd taken weekend classes here and there. Um, but I was, while I was still on opioids, I started talking to someone, um, kind of as a coach that happened to be an animal communicator. And we talked almost every week for three years and she taught me some of the, I mean, you know, Kevin, that my coach specializes in cognitive behavioral techniques, um, sure. and she taught me some of the earliest cognitive behavioral techniques that I learned. Um, this person did, and so the more sorry, I, you, can,
0: you, you can say your name.
1: <laughs> oh, oh well, well, Allison, my coach that teaches it now, but this is someone. Uh, this oh, was someone else. Several okay. years ago. Um, that was, uh, her name was Joy and she has passed, um, but she was an animal communicator that lived in this area. Um, And she started teaching me some very basic cognitive behavioral techniques. Um, And so the more I worked on like the difference between that's a thought and that's a feeling and that's a thought and that's my intuition and the more i just worked on my own crap um the the clearer i got and it just kind of happened organically that i could hear better um as as the more i worked on things
0: and by the way beth who has joined us says i agree that with that completely jennifer and our present earthly pets come to us to work out similar issues, just like we are. Um, so, by the way, is that a technical issue? Or a technical term? Working out my crap?
1: <laughs> um, it might be. Like enough <laughs> people use it. Like, <laughs> I mean, it's it's just such a good, all-encompassing explains. You know, you're working out the stuff. And the more you work on it, the more you realize how much of the thoughts that you think aren't, aren't, they're not true. Like so many of the thoughts we think aren't true, but we believe them because we haven't been taught otherwise. So like we start realizing that what we think is crap. So technical, (laughs)
0: yes yes indeed well you know it's interesting i'd like to broaden this out just a little bit because i know we're talking about animals but animals and us are very close now are but our souls are different is that correct where an animal soul is a different than a human soul or is it possible that you have your current boyfriend used to be your cat
1: Well, I've always liked cats way better than any boyfriend I've had. So I don't know (laughs) if I'd go that far. (laughs) Um, I don't have a definitive answer for that. I have heard um, more than one theory and they both make sense to me. And I haven't had anyone confirm them one way or the other.
2: I I agree that... There's that um, Buddhist, I think, idea that uh, you don't go back backwards, right? You progress through layers of consciousness. Um, I would actually, and um, you know, you always have people saying, "When I come back, I'm going to come back as a cat because I want that kind of a life, right? I don't want to have to go to work and um, wrestle with my mind and all of the things that humans humans do, rather than." just laying around and being cuddled and um, getting to go out and maybe hunt a little bit and yeah, just kind of live in the life. So that's, like I said, I agree that it's inconclusive. I know that Gary Zukav who wrote Seed of the Soul says that um, all animals go back into like cat consciousness. Right. Or dog consciousness or whatever. And you know the i would say the thing that argues against that is the the reappearance of that particular soul right back with the people over lifetimes or or within a lifetime
0: and and in some of the other works that are out there like Dr. Michael Newton he'll he'll say that uh their souls are compatible but they're different uh their makeup is a little bit different they're not as complex of a soul as a human soul is um but but they they do that by design and it's designed to be your 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 animal rather than to be and and there are you know i I know what you're talking about with gary because he'll say that uh like the soul of a cow that's a, a universal consciousness rather than an individual uh consciousness and that's why they, as a species have said, okay, well, if you're going to, if you want to eat me, that's fine. Um, because that's, that's what they're here to do in support of humans. I don't know whether any any of that's right or not. Yeah.
1: And, And I do know people that have talked to like, uh, all cat consciousness or all spider consciousness or all rat consciousness. Um, And trust me, interesting conversations all, but, um, (laughs) um, but I think a lot of it is up to the individual soul. Like going back to my two cats that I've been talking about, Miss Kitty liked to come back as whatever she liked the experience of being different things. Now, Atticus, like he, every incarnation, he has been a male cat. And, and I, I was telling a friend that one day and, and my friend said, really always a male cat. And this was before Atticus had incarnated. And I heard this voice in my head so clearly go, "Ew, why would I want to be anything else? Ew. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I think a lot of it, I think just like, I, I mean, I believe that when humans incarnate, we make certain agreements about what we want to learn and who we're going to be with and and i believe that animals do the same thing do i have any proof not really it's just my belief
0: well but you know that's one of those things when when you're dealing with what you guys deal with which is animal communication there are lots of folks who don't believe animals as an example even have a soul <gasps> <laughs> <laughs> Why are you please you know, do go there <laughs> Why not?
1: <laughs>
0: Did I just scare you?
1: <laughs> well, not scare me, no. But um, I have never ever believed that, and and I, I I will I will not throw fists, but I will fight hard with anyone that argues otherwise to my face. Well, I and- just don't believe that that they don't have
0: souls. I, I think that the, i I think that we, being humans as a species, we have neglected the fact that they're a lot smarter than we give them credit for. They're way aware of what's going on.
2: And I think that this <laughs> this all sort of started to happen back in the nineteenth century when people wanted to start experimenting on animals. And so they had to rationalize that they didn't have feelings or consciousness. And because like previous, you think of previous agrarian society, put on my smarty pants hat, um, previous agrarian societies, right? Are like know that their animals have souls and feelings and, and like are there for a purpose. And communicate with them, right, all of the time about what's going on in their environment, so that they can make because they need animals to be healthy and able to work the farm or lay eggs or whatever. So, so they need they need they need to be in communication with those animals. And when we started, you know, moving into large cities and having you know doing um, experiments on animals, like I said then they like the, the origin of the species kind of helped lead them into, okay, well they don't really have consciousness and we can go ahead and do these awful experiments, which are still being done um, on animals and it's fine. They don't have consciousness. They don't have a soul. They don't have feelings.
0: I learned firsthand. I used to be in the food service business. And one of the things that, I, I we would do as training was we would uh take our group of salesmen and stuff and we take them to various places one of them happened to be a slaughterhouse and uh so they they there was a um um a ramp that would go to a, a kill point and then in turn each animal was killed um and they used a um 22 um, bullet that went into a uh, a steel rod that would penetrate their brain and they would drop like a stone well i was watching the cow not the cow that was next in line but the cow that was the in line behind that and you would think that they weren't very smart and if they weren't aware of what was going on that they would just be sitting there okay well fine what's happening next? that cow you could see in his eyes was terror-stricken and that, and then, of course, he was second in line, and then he was killed. But he was—it was like you could—I could see it in his eyes. You know, you know when you see them when the, it is so terror-stricken, and and that, and it, it actually permeates the meat and all all sorts of uh, all sorts of things when when a, a cow is is put down that way. Um, yes. So I learned I learned from that point that I be, they all have a soul. And they all have a purpose. And, and they they have a life. Yeah. And it would do... I know um,
2: I, I eat meat, right? Um, it was something that it was really hard for me to come to terms with. Like after 30 years, I was finally... Like my body is just not functioning as it should be um, without eating meat. So I had to really come to terms with it. And what I have heard very intelligent people say, and I, I believe this, it, first of all, we have to do better by our animals, right? They, they deserve a better system, right? So Temple Grandin created um, the, the squeeze machines, right? That would help calm animals down. Like she has, she's uh, autistic. And so she was all about sort of how to help animals be calmer as they were going to this slaughter but you know the way they're raised on feedlots and all of that but what i what i had to eventually come to terms with was people who care about animals should actually buy meat from people who care about animals right so that you reinforce that system rather than a system that just puts them on a feedlot and you know just treats them like cattle sorry for lack of a better way to put it um (laughs) that but that's that's a that's a better system and supporting a humane system helps change the the paradigm
0: i i i agree with you and we are by nature we're designed to eat meat and we're vegetables and to have a well-balanced meal and a well-balanced diet and that's and that's part of the the everything of why we're here and how our bodies work and all that kind of stuff so when when somebody first of all if you're a vegan i don't know how you eat the bread i have no idea how that happens um have you ever had vegan bread
1: um maybe
0: it's, like, I, a bread. it's
1: like a gluten-free bread and often they cross over oh
0: yeah that would be um
1: but i will say that that the breads have gotten so much better in the last few years than they used. I'll
0: have to try them again then.
1: Yeah. Like there are some breads you can actually eat right out of the bag, which never used to be the case when i went gluten-free it was like you bought the bread you brought it home you toasted it and you put like butter or coconut oil on it to soften it up so you could eat it but, but it was so dry out of the bag that you could like you had to toast it and butter it in order to be able to swallow it
0: <laughs> yeah yes indeed And speaking of which um <clears throat> Being being a vegan, I think is is not as good for you as if you have a well balanced diet. But that's that's just me. And 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 you you're the one you're you're the bright one here among us. So give us give us your thoughts. Um,
2: so I I think some th- some people can thrive being vegans. I, I um I follow a couple of raw vegans on YouTube. Holy crap, those people are so healthy. Right. And then at the same time, I follow people who pretty much just eat beef all day long. And holy crap, they're really healthy, too. Right. So it's I think you have to find what works for you. And um, I I was one of those people like if I was eating vegan. I would come home from work in the afternoon and I was ready to eat the wallpaper off the walls. I was so hungry, right? My brain was just not functional. And I'm like, <laughs> it was beyond hangry. And then, so once I added some animal protein to my diet, it was like, everything calmed down. I, I don't, I like, like I've, I just, I want people to, know, I've been all of the things, like I have compassion for all the different ways that people have to like address nourishing themselves it's a really really hard thing to do in this um, day and age with all the different mixed messages
0: well yeah and with all with you know even even so and i know you guys are animal communicators and and stuff and it's and it's but there are all the animals at one point or another that used to be that were wild animals they would get eaten uh, by other animals. And that's, so that's kind of the way nature operates and the way it works. And so it's, it's kind of okay, isn't it? Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think we all have to make our own decision on it. And, and I remember the first time that I asked one of my mentors about that in animal communication. And, um, her answer has stuck with me and has helped explain a lot of things that I've had conundrums about. And, and what she explained was that there is in every interaction, no matter who, who is on the two sides, there is an exchange of energy.
0: Mm -hmm. Yes.
1: And, and there is an agreement to exchange that energy. So the animals that become our food on some level, maybe not consciously, but maybe on a soul level agreed that they were going to be food for us. And we agreed to whatever goes with the process of, of killing them and eating them. Um, So, yeah. so yeah, I mean, I, that, that has helped explain a lot of things that I've had questions about for me. Um, and, and one of the first ones was, how does anyone talk to animals and eat them? And, and that was how she explained it to me. And this, I mean, this was like really early on when I was very first doing animal communication. Um, so, it, it yeah, that explanation helped me a lot.
0: So, I got to ask you both, let's start with Ann. What got you into being a teacher of animal communication? What got you into all of that?
2: Um, I, so like it's starting with animal communication itself or the, the teaching part of it.
0: Well, the, the kids, well, I don't know which came first, the chicken Mm -hmm. or the egg.
2: Um, So I, I adopted, I'll tell you how I began to understand that I could talk to animals. I adopted a dog, um, when I lived, uh, in a different city and, uh, she was five months old and at the pound, she had been returned obviously. And her name was Brownie. And they're like, no, it's not. You <laughs> I mean, know, like this dog's name is not going to be Brownie. So I decided to call her Zoe because I really like that name for an animal. And every time I called her Zoe, I heard the name Sasha. And so I just started calling. I mean, it took me a while because <laughs> I'm slow sometimes. as um, I, I called, started calling her Sasha. That was that was the end of it, and I didn't really ever talk to her again. But. That experience, then, when I had this very highly anxious dog, I did actually have someone come and do a soul retrieval on her, on this highly anxious dog that committed suicide. <laughs> that sounds preposterous, but it really is, that is what happened. Um, and actually, someone confirmed that, another intuitive that I that I value highly confirmed that for me, um, that that's what had happened. But... Uh, so... So having the soul retrieval on this dog, he was able to, um, his name was John. John was able to tell me like why this dog was so anxious. And so me understanding the origins of the anxiety in that dog helped me work with her to calm her anxiety down. It, I, if I had been taking classes and understood like all of the different healing modalities I could have done we could have gone so much further, but um, we made some progress with just that um, soul retrieval.
0: So describe what soul retrieval is.
2: Right. So, uh, so this, this person, a shamanic practitioner will take a journey um, for a, for a being to find out where there was soul loss. So if um, someone has been in a car, I've, I've done them for people. If someone has been in a car accident um like that part of your soul is just like you know what i'm gonna go sit over here until things are safer and then and sometimes you just it never comes back so you need to travel the astral realms to go get this soul piece back so that the person can be more whole or the dog or the cat or whatever can be more whole
0: that's really interesting because i i haven't heard that before Okay. Um, Yeah, A bunch of stuff, but that's, but that, that's okay. So, so you were able to, she was able to, to uh, reunite the soul so that the cat was more grounded and was better off for the dog. Mm -hmm.
2: Yes. And the other thing that it helped me understand is like, because this dog had been taken out, stolen out of a backyard and put in a box and so, right. So, and then was taken to a, a, an apartment complex that was very chaotic and so that helped me understand why every time we went out into the hallway of my apartment complex she was freaking out right it was like cuz now i understood that, that that was a trigger for her right <laughs> I don't want it. but that was what was happening with her
0: yeah you know my my son just got a border collie <laughs> and uh I, I do either of you know about the the about a border collie
2: my sister has them Mm-hmm.
0: And how how dedicated they are, and how hardworking they are, and and they, but they also are very sensitive. And it was a little chaotic at this house, and so the dog set it up so that they would get rid of him, uh, because he he wasn't able to. They were not able to deal with a high energy dog that that was that and they were the the energy in that house was very chaotic Mm -hmm. and 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 animals can sense energy can't they Mm -hmm. absolutely so if you have a dog and if somebody has a dog and they would like to talk to you about or a cat or a gerbil or a ferret or whatever it is and they'd like to talk to you about that how do they get that done jennifer how do they reach you
1: so the easiest way to get me is to go to com or find me on Facebook.
2: And Anne? Um, I am at
0: anancientconversation.com and also on Facebook. And an com that begs the question, what is an ancient conversation?
2: Well, so as I was saying earlier, right, we used to know how to talk to animals. We used to know how to talk to trees and plants and um, our environment and gain information from it. And so um, this ancient conversation is just reaffirming that we know how to do that, that work and that um, all of us do.
0: But we, but it's a lost art.
2: It, it Yes, <laughs> very, very much so. Especially because of um, these crazy things, right? Um, you just, you don't have the, the calmness of and the the presence and the focus to to do that anymore.
0: You guys have been around. How do we regain that focus to be able to get that back?
2: Can we? Yes. How? Go out in nature. I
1: I found when I was in animal communication school, um, I was, the exercises involved meditating almost every day. Mm -hmm. and that alone gave me so much like i could focus very um very much easier than i can when i'm not meditating regularly
0: so jennifer i gotta ask you you were you were addicted for 20 years um how are things together for you today are things much more together
1: yeah, I, I think so. Um, you know, I, I get real frustrated when I get the kink in my neck and I don't have something to make the pain go away. But other than that, I'm, you know, like, I'm not laying in bed 23 hours a day. I'm I'm getting out and doing things. I'm volunteering. I'm talking to animals, which was a lifelong dream, pretty much, Um So yeah, things are, things are really good compared to what they were even just a few years ago.
0: Your story is a very life affirming story, which, which is that you were in bed a lot. You were in a lot of pain. You were addicted to opiates and, and there's from that perspective, there seemed to be no hope. How did you gain, regain the hope?
1: Um, (laughs) So a funny thing happened. I woke up one morning to my cat violently throwing up for an hour straight. (laughs) And at this point in my life, I, you know, like my ex had left me, uh, my stepdad had died. I think my dad had passed away at that point, like all in a short period of time. And I was like, this cat is not leaving me too. (laughs) And, and as part of the process of trying to figure out what was wrong, I ended up talking to an animal communicator who then became my coach. And she was, with, you know, we talked every week, she started teaching me cognitive behavioral techniques. Um, she got me through the, she literally was like on speed dial while I was going through the detox process, especially early on. And like, how, how do I deal with this pain? What do I think about what, you know, cause when you're in pain, like at least I tended to focus on whatever hurt the most and, Oh God, it's just going to keep getting worse. And so she, she taught me like, no, when you're thinking that think this instead, focus on this other thing instead. And, and it it was a slow process, but that, you know, she got me through that. And then I, when the next opportunity came along, I was ready for it. And when the next opportunity came along, I was ready for that. And, um, you know, I, I won't say it hasn't been work, but, like, it it does, in retrospect, it does feel like it was way too easy sometimes.
0: Um, I don't, no, I don't think that's, I don't think that's possible. It's, it's supposed to be easy.
1: <laughs> Maybe, I mean, but you don't really hear about people getting off opioids easily, and, And it took took a long time because I was on such high doses. The doctors tapered me slowly, but I was very careful about, you know, when one doctor retired, choosing one that I felt comfortable and safe with. um, That I didn't feel like they were going to rip the rug out from under me. And that safety, that feeling of safety makes a big difference in how willing you are to move forward.
0: Well, thank goodness that you decided to to get out of that rather than going on the street and buying fentanyl lay stuff and all of that because it there are people there's a hundred thousand people a year dying in this country from obedience Yep, which is which is terrible and so and how did how did you come to be where you are today
2: oh um you know, i uh, i have always known that there was something other than the physical world that i could see so i would be laying in bed reading a book and i would hear someone say my name and there was no one around right or i'd be about to fall asleep and i could feel someone sit on the edge of my bed like i could feel the bed move and there was no one there like so I was like I'm like this dog I was very highly anxious and this did not sit well with me and so for a very long time I turned it off because I didn't want to know right It was like this is too scary. I don't know what this is And finally um, about the time of uh, about the time I turned 29, I was like I can't live this way anymore And so I found someone to help me work with my intuition and explain what was going on with me and that, It changed my life and so I was able to listen about where you know my path looks to some people looks a little odd but um you know I listened to my intuition and it told me where to go and it told me what to do and it told me who to be with and every time I listened to it my life was just amazing and every time I didn't things went a little off off kilter so I just kept trusting it more and more
0: and now you trust it completely I do Which is which is really cool, by the way. That's that is a um, peace of mind that a lot of people lack right now because of hate, division and fear and they're scared of stuff. And and so it's got to be a real comforting thing for you to feel so grounded in what you do. And by the way, I have to ask you, you knew her when she was in class and she was your student. How has Jennifer changed? Oh my God.
2: Like it is not in night and day. I know because I think it was like it was she wasn't even part of what is called the big program. It was like the initial animal communication thing. And so I talked to the, the main teacher and I said, is this person signing up for the main animal communication program? Because she really needs to. And she was like, I think she's we're talking about it. I think she's going to. And I'm like, no, she really needs to. So um, that didn't happen with everyone that I was teaching, but it happened with a few people. And so I was like, "Yeah, she needs to be. You need to convince her to get into that program."
0: And where's the school at? Where's it held?
2: Um, it's actually mostly online, but um, okay. the yeah.
0: So you can learn about things online, and you can you can obviously you can do anything online these days. Yeah. Um, so so let me ask the two of you. We've got just a few minutes left. But I I, it, I would be remiss if I didn't have the opportunity to ask my Wesley who uh, passed away and you know it was a lovely passing because at least I thought it was because uh, we had somebody come to the house and uh, he was lying on his favorite pillow and 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 he passed away but can either of you get anything a sense of him at all
1: Um. Is is this the same dog that you've asked me about before? Yes. Okay. Um please don't hate me. He says, please stop asking. And when you stop asking, he will show up. When you like when you stop worrying about it, he will come back.
0: <laughs> In other words, shut up. <laughs>
1: Well, I mean, it does give us something to talk about when I'm on your show. But, <laughs> but yeah, he's like he's like stop asking so I can come back.
0: So now I've there are two dogs that were my favorites in my in my life. Then Crockett was one, and he was prior to Wesley. And do they? And I get the feeling like they know each other or knew each other, or and because my dad loved the, both of those dogs as well, and he's on the other side. So, mm-hmm. and I've been told that. That my dad has a couple of dogs with him. Mm-hmm.
1: They were they alive at the same time?
0: No one one passed away, and then then the other one was a puppy. It, it was we almost
1: like they're the same soul.
0: That could very well be, because we lost Crockett. He had cancer, and then uh, and then we um, a month or so later got got Wesley. And they're, they're both kind of the same breed, but, but they were, and they were both really, really, really good dogs. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so I'll stop asking, but did, could you ask him, could you ask him, what does he want to come back as? Cause I can't decide what kind of dog to get.
1: You will know when you meet him.
0: Okay.
1: Um, and I'll, I'll give you an example of this. So, um, advocates used to be oyster and he was a gray tabby cat when he was oyster. And a few years ago, he started telling me he was going to come back as a ginger cat. And he just like, you know, a couple times a year, I just hear like, keep your eye out for ginger cat. I'm coming back. And I, I think probably about three years of that. And then when I when after Miss Kitty died, it took me a while. When I started looking at cats, one of the very the like the one that jumped off the internet at me was an orange cat. And like I took one look at the picture and and like I couldn't get an appointment with the shelter. And I was like, "This is my cat. What am I gonna <laughs> do?" And I finally said. If this is supposed to be my cat, he will still be there. And when I finally got an appointment with the shelter, I walked in and went, "Do you still have him?" and she went, "He's the last cat here today. No oh. one has adopted him." And I was like, "Okay, that like I don't even need to see him. I'm taking him home." <laughs> you know, like so so like like you start getting the messages even if you're not listening real clearly, they kind of seep in. And, yeah. and you'll you'll know when you meet him.
0: So Ann, you were laughing. What were you laughing at? What was I? What
2: was I? I think I was laughing at. Um, I don't even remember now. Um, there's so been. There's been so much it, that. Um, I, I'm sorry, I can't remember.
0: Oh, that's 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 quite all right. It it must have been funny because you were laughing pretty good. Yeah. Um, and and uh, let's see. Uh, oh, Megan says hello, and Megan says. Mm-hmm. Animal communication is so fascinating. Jennifer has talked to all of our animals. So she's she's your friends, apparently.
1: Yeah. 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 And she and she has some fascinating animals yes. in her family.
0: Well, you know, that's really cool. Unfortunately, I've got to run, but uh, Jennifer's going to be on the show on Friday at noon on KKNW. I'm going to make her as comfortable as possible. We'll get you your favorite blanket, and you can be next to your computer, and you don't feel like you got But we will take calls, so if you want to talk to Jennifer, um, you can you can do that. And uh, and I sense that you're not feeling as well right now as you could be, and you might be sick. On Friday, so if your employer asks, that's you know, that's, I'm I'm okay with that. So. <laughs> Ladies, anything uh, either of you would like to say before we wrap it up?
2: Uh, i oh, okay. I would say um, if you're at all interested in being a calmer, happier person, listening to your intuition, you can't go wrong. And um, either one of us would be happy to help with that if you have if you want to talk about it
0: really cool i think following your intuition is really is a spot-on piece of advice um so thank you both for being here and uh and lally and jennifer etweiler etweiler whatever your name is <laughs> it's, it's, it's great to have you here so,
2: thanks kevin it's yeah, fun to be here
0: thank you guys and, and we'll see you on friday jennifer yes and sir. we'll and we'll kidnap uh Ann at the same time maybe so. <laughs> Remember, be kind to one another because each other's all we got.